the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to begin chapter 5, the fifth chapter of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. And our text for today will be verses 1 through 6. And Paul has been proving the superiority of grace over works. The Holy Spirit through Paul has been meticulously taking apart the teaching of the false teachers that had arrived in the Galatian cities and were teaching them a law-grace mix. And Paul has been unraveling that for them and for us, but they were still struggling with that distorted view of grace. And any time you have man's effort mixed with grace, you have a distorted view of grace. There are only two religious systems, only two. One is man-centered and the other is Christ-centered. And you have to think about which one you really adhere to. Because many of us, while we may go to a church that teaches Christ-centered teaching, live from a man-centered perspective. So, man-centered puts its emphasis on what you must do for God. All of its teaching centers around man. In this teaching, you will find some mix of law and grace. It might be 99% grace and 1% law, but it is a distortion of the truth. And Paul is going to point that out. There can be no mixture. A Christ-centered religion emphasizes the finished work of Christ or what God has done through and for man. It centers on the new covenant and our identity as born-again believers. Grace and blessing in a Christ-centered perspective is not something that, that is externally applied intermittently, but is the truth of how we live. We live in the blessing of God. We live in the grace of God. We live this life by faith based on fact, not wishful thinking. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It is not acquired or maintained by the work of man. Man-centered religion is a satanic system that seeks to keep the child of God in a state of perpetual infancy, filling them with knowledge about Christ but never growing them in faith. 
calling on them to maintain the externals of Christianity without discipling them to live from the inside out. Now, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is going to begin to show the Galatians and us some of the practical applications of the truth. It will be, in a large part, an emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And really, this is one of my favorite parts of the uh, Galatian epistles. Because now we get into the truth of what it is to live, to live by his life. Paul has made it clear that we're no longer under the law, that we're not saved by the law, or achieve any sort of righteousness by observing the law. But you can almost hear the question asked by these former Jews, some of them, and and the Gentiles there. The, The question is, and I hear this now, even now in Christian circles, well, if we're not going to be under the law, what are we going to live by? What is going to be the moral code that we live by? Well, Paul is telling them in our text that we no longer live by the law, we live from the author of life. We have the Spirit of God as our life source. We are branches in the vine. This is the same Spirit that literally dictated the law to Moses, the Mosaic law. We are now living from a higher standard. I know some people don't believe that, but we're living from a higher standard than a written code. We are living from Christ, who is the standard, to whom the code actually describes Yeah, I find it is far easier to dismiss or rationalize around a written code than it is the person you're intimately connected to. That's why so many Christians live with just a little bit of a distance between them and God. They'd rather be told what to do than have to interact with the person of truth. So they keep him just... Tell me, tell me what I need. I'll go to church. I'll go to Bible study. I'll pray three, four times a day. I'll do the walk to Emmaus. I'll do all of these things. I'll be happy to do those things. But don't put me in a face-to-face. Don't let me get real with God. I lived that way for years. Verse 1 of our text is really kind of an introduction. And he tells us what it means to walk by faith. To walk by faith in the full presumption on a complete salvation given to us freely by the grace of God through the completed work of Christ. The full presumption of this. That's what it means to walk by faith. It means that no matter how many times you fall, you fail... No matter how many times your behavior proves to you that you can't do it or that you're not righteous enough, or not good enough, no matter how many times the accuser comes towards you, and points at you, and says, well, if you're a Christian, you're sure not living like one, you can turn and say, well, you know what, in that case, you're right. But it doesn't change who I am. To live by faith is to walk in the truth of who you are. It is to be determined and presumptuous about your salvation, about who God created you to be, about His love for you. That's walking by faith. It's believing against all externals and against the fell voices that would declare that you're not worthy. 
We're going to look at this proclamation in verse 1. Let's look at our text. Chapter 5, verse 1, the epistle to the Galatians. It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, because of this, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. Now, I don't agree with how they finished that up. That's a, that is in order to explain the verse to you. It is not in the original text. And we never removed a yoke. That was the work of God who removed the yoke from us. God desires us to live in freedom. And this is an interesting thing. He actually commands you to live in freedom. We live in freedom experientially when we embrace the truth of our new identity in Christ by faith. John 8.32 tells us that when we know the truth, what will happen? The truth will set us free, right? Well, that word know is gnosko, which describes an intimate knowledge. An intimate knowledge. It is having an intimate knowledge of our Savior. It is in that knowledge that we discover the truth of our freedom. You see, you are free. As a child of God, you are free. Now, we're going to define that freedom, but you are free. Whether you think you're free or not doesn't make any difference. Whether you feel free or not doesn't make any difference. You are free. God defines freedom as living in the fullness of all he created us to be. It's not a freedom to indulge the flesh. Slavery, bondage, captivity, and death are how the scriptures describe living to indulge the flesh. Therefore, choose to live in freedom to the full, to the abundance that you were created for. Live by faith in the truth of your spiritual freedom. And he says, therefore... Keep standing firm. And you know, that's exactly how the Greek is translated. Therefore, keep standing firm. The Greek word for standing, and by the way, that's in present tense active, which means to stand and keep on standing. The Greek word for standing actually means to stay put. What are we standing on? Faith in the finished work of Christ. That's what we're standing on. And staying put means that I will not be distracted. I will not be movable. I will not be shakable. I will not look away. I don't know how many of you have been to the tomb of the unknown soldier. I went many, many years ago. But now there's an illustration of not being distracted, immovable, unshakable. Because I watch people make absolute idiots out of themselves trying to get the guy to look at him. And he doesn't move. He, does, he may see him, but he doesn't respond. He doesn't. And he keeps the same steps. The steps that people made before him to the point that he's literally worn a path in the concrete. All the men that have marched back and forth as sentry in front of that tomb. Well, that describes what Paul is saying. Stand fast. Stay put in the truth. Now, you are in Christ. You are free in Christ. You are a new creation. You are part of the family of God. All of those facts are unchangeable. 
immovable. You are loved and accepted by him. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. None of that is changeable. None of that is movable. Well, then what is he talking about? He's talking about what you believe. Because we've all figured out by now that what we believe isn't always necessarily true, is it? I found that out about Santa Claus. You know, what we believe doesn't make it true. The reality of it is that when we, by faith, believe in what God says is true, we're standing in faith. And these are things that God says about you. So... It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It's also translated, made you free. If your translation may say that, made you free. And I like that better. Because as a new creation, I was born free. God didn't just free me from sin. He literally recreated me into freedom. He birthed me into freedom in Christ. Now, this freedom, in terms of how you live it, is a choice. And Paul illustrates this over and over again. You can live like a slave, or you can live as an heir. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Now, when I'm yielded to his life, I live in freedom. When I'm rebellious, I live in bondage. When I live in dependency on his life, I am free. When I live in independence, I live like a slave to my flesh. It's a war. There is literally a war going on between flesh and spirit. There is hostility between the two. And the flesh is constantly presenting us with a satanic lie concerning our identity. And the spirit is the spiritual truth of your identity. The flesh presents a satanic lie about your identity. What's that lie? This is your body. That your significance is in the externals. That if you can do the right things, say the right things, look the right way, have the right stuff, have the right toys, then you are significant. You have worth. You have value. And it's all about the flesh. Every sin that you will ever commit will be committed because you have seen yourself in the flesh. Because who you are in Christ is not tempted by any of this other stuff. Who you are in the Spirit has no desire To walk around in pride and selfishness and bitterness. That part of you is in union with Christ. But the flesh knows no other way. It is a constant battle. And this is what Paul is saying. You must stand. You must choose to stand. Galatians 5.17, and we'll get to this later, not today, but later. Galatians 5.17 says, For the sinful nature has its desires which is opposed to the Spirit, and the desire of the Spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the Spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. Now, That, again, is their explanation on the far end there, duplicating some of Paul's writing in Romans 7. But here's the reality. That's not the truth. The you that God recognizes wants obedience, wants to love, wants to walk in truth. The you, the new heart that he put in you, that you, That you that is literally living in union with the Spirit of God, that is in the presence of God even now, that is who you are. 
And that is the truth of your heart. So when they say things like the things you want to do, no. What you want as a child of God will never be in conflict with what God wants for you. What you want when you're walking in the identity of flesh is something totally different. You see? So even in translating and trying to make these verses a little more understandable, sometimes they take off on a man-centered point of view. And we don't need to embrace that. So if you don't believe that there's a constant, you've got to believe there's a constant conflict between the flesh and the spirit. But the thing you've got to remember is the flesh is not who you are. It's not who you are. When you begin to own all of that conflict and you say, oh, I'm constantly at odds with what God wants me to do. That is a lie that you just repeated from the enemy. You just rehearsed his lie. Go back to the truth and declare the truth over your soul, which is that point of decision, that point of faith. I do want the will of God. I do want to walk in truth. I do crave obedience. I do desire to be in the house of the Lord. I do desire to worship Him. I do desire the things of God and the people of God. I do delight in His Word. I do enjoy the times of prayer and intimacy with Him. All of these things are true of my new created being. None of that other stuff is true. But... As far as your experience is concerned, it'll be your choice. We stand firm in faith. People who are determined to live in the flesh or in carnality do not want to encounter the truth. Have you ever tried to speak a word of truth to someone who's determined to live in carnality, the flesh? They might be nice and endure it, or they can be hostile and say things like, Don't preach at me. They're hostile. In their attitude towards the truth, they don't want to hear it. They will use any excuse to avoid it. And believe me, I've used them and I've heard them. They want to avoid it. So Paul illustrates their condition by likening them in this verse to being under a yoke like an ox. And that yoke is is heavy. In fact, the weight is more than the ox can bear. He's just struggling. Now here's the picture. The ox is restricted. Even if he follows his inclination, he cannot enjoy it because he's carrying such a burden. He's barely struggling along. No matter what he wants to do, that weighs him down. His neck is bowed. And you know what? It's no fun living that way, is it? No fun at all. The reality of that yoke is that yoke was... For the flesh. The yoke of the law was fashioned for the flesh of man to illustrate for us what we cannot do, not what we can do. So this ox is trapped in the struggle, trapped in the weight of the yoke. And we're not suited for living that way as a child of God. And when we decide to live to the flesh, well, the first thing we do is assume the yoke. We pick it up. Life becomes heavy. Everything becomes a burden. Everything taxes us. We, we can't hardly move anymore. It's like we are just absolutely drained of all vitality. Why? Because we're living in death. That's why. 
The yoke was made for flesh to prove the weakness of flesh. We are spiritual beings who find the fulfillment in living by living to the inclination of the Holy Spirit. We were created for freedom. We have been empowered to live in the liberty of obedience. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24 says, Faithful and absolutely trustworthy is he who is calling you to himself for your salvation. And he will do it. He will fulfill his call by making you holy, guarding you, watching over you, and protecting you as his own. He not only made us free, but he empowered us to live free. This, is, this freedom is our birthright. He ends verse 1 with a command. He says, Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. That word again can be translated anew. Do not be subject anew to the yoke of slavery. I like that better because we weren't born into slavery as children of God. We were actually born into freedom. We have to submit ourselves to slavery. In any case, the Spirit of God's being very direct in that command. Don't do it. Well, why is he doing that? Why is he saying this? He's punishing you. Because you don't get the opportunity to go out there and live like the rest of the world. It's punishment. You just don't know how hard it is. No, he's not doing that. He's telling you to live the way you were made. To live in the natural strength of your being. To live a a spirit-empowered life that allows you to fulfill all that you were made for. To find the intimacy of Christ in obedience. To grow in the truth of His presence and His life in you. So that you are ever going forward, pressing towards the high calling that is yours. Growing into a really mature manhood. He empowers us to live in freedom. Let's look at verse 2. Paul writes, Notice, it is I, Paul, who tells you that if you receive circumcision as a supposed requirement of salvation, Christ will be of no benefit to you, for you will lack the faith in Christ that is necessary for salvation. Now, circumcision was being taught by the Judaizers as being necessary for salvation. They were saying that the sacrifice of Christ wasn't enough. The cross wasn't enough. You must add to the work of Christ. Circumcision, in effect, allows man to do something for his own atonement. And Paul, in the beginning of the verse, is declaring with apostolic authority. He is saying, I am telling you that it is either Christ or it's circumcision. It is either Christ or it is your self-effort. Do not think that you're winning anything with God by trying to perform in the flesh. It is either Christ or circumcision. Faith must rest on Christ alone, or it is not saving faith. Jesus plus is not Jesus at all. You say, well, that's pretty radical. No, it is biblical truth. Jesus plus is heretical. Notice the word if there. Now, he was talking to a largely Gentile audience. So, it's not likely that many of them were circumcised. But they had been gradually embracing parts of the Jewish law as taught by the Judaizers. So, this was going to be an issue. 
The Galatians had already accepted the Jewish calendar. They were observing some of the ceremonial laws, and we'll see that as we move further into the chapter. And in truth, the Judaizers were selling them an identity for the flesh. They were selling them on righteousness according to the flesh. And they said, now you can be righteous according to the flesh. And these are all the accoutrements. These are all of the clothing that you need to wear if you're going to be righteous according to the flesh. You know, I had a friend, he decided he wanted to take up biking. You know, cycling, right? I said, well, whatever, float your boat, buddy. Next thing I know, he's got to have the helmet. And then he's got to have the spandex outfit. And then he's got to have the special water bottle. And then, you know, he's in a bike club. And before you know it, everything's about biking. Can't even have a conversation with a guy without the bike coming up. Well, what has happened? He has shifted his entire identity into biking. Well, if that's what you want your identity rest in, God bless you. But I'm going to tell you, there's no satisfaction there. We do the same thing. Your thing may not be biking. It could be Christianity. Carrying around your King James coffee table version of the Bible. Witnessing to anybody who stands still long enough. Trying to prove yourself to be righteous. Living to an identity. A lot of people do. But the child of God should never live that way. That is living according to the flesh. You have an identity. Every one of you have a singular identity in Christ. It is not an identity that can be accounted for in your flesh. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.